Welcome, everybody, to Broadcast Team Alpha, where we still bring you cutting-edge conversation while exploring the quantum possibilities. And, you know, this time of year can be kind of nostalgic. And I don't know, I just feel like the planets have lined up so properly that tonight we're bringing one of probably one of the most creative geniuses that I know, seriously, guys. And he was instrumental in starting Broadcast Team Alpha with us. And Augie's going to tell you a little bit more about Tom, if you did not know him already. Um, but I just want to thank you for being here, right? Thank you for the whole year of being here and supporting us. We've got a brand new year starting and we've got some new things coming up so be on the lookout some uh new programming some new offerings some fun things that are they're a little bit different than what we've been doing but as always i want to invite you to our mastermind connection on sunday afternoon at 2 p.m it is getting better and better and I just, I mean, how does it get better than that? A group of amazing people with benevolent and loving hearts get together and we imagine, we envision the world the way that we want it to be, right? The love that we really want to see in the world, the kindness, the the beauty, the generosity, the compassion, right? And if I keep going on, we're going to have a mastermind session right here. But we envision this during a meditative kind of visualization. And I have to tell you, some of the more concrete things that we visualized, like a, a dog that was lost in the Canadian snowstorm, uh, actually returned home before the session was ever over. So some of the more measurable things have actually happened. If you want to join us, send an email to themastermindconnection at gmail.com. Augie will send you the link and you can come hang out with us. And at the three o'clock hour, we just have a fun conversation or sometimes we watch videos and it's it's just so much fun. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the lively chat that always happens in the chat room. Thank you for your super chats and thank you for supporting us. Augie, no more yes. for me. Let's talk about Zahn. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a very special show for me because Tom is an old friend. I didn't say he's old, but he's an old friend. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm getting there, Augie. I'm getting old. <laughs> no, no, no. Just forget <laughs> it. And... Uh, you know, he really got us started. Nori and I and him got together and we created Broadcast Team Alpha. And we're still here. We're alive and well. And uh, this is going good. But uh, let me say a few things about him for those of you that don't know him already. He's an author. He's a podcaster. He's a part-time ufologist. Aren't we all? Uh, he's semi-retired pro photographer and he's a videographer and he is an IT guy. Some of you know what that is. Some of you probably are. And also he is a retired submarine veteran and uh, he's a science fiction writer. And he wrote a book that really can show us what the future could be if we sit down and listen to what is coming our way. That book's title, I think, uh, gosh, Two and the Collectors, I think. Yes, he's nodding his head, so it's got to be right. <laughs> and, uh, well, I tell you, we haven't talked for uh, several years, actually. I'm so glad. It's so good to see you again, Tom. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Tom. So good to see you. Good to see you guys too. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. So I'm I was a little uh I didn't know where to begin. So Dory and I knocked around some ideas and, and so here we are and uh this will be fun. I, I I just wanted to have a good time chatting with you folks and uh, about some of my crazy ideas and uh I, I think this is a great channel for that. So yeah, yeah. your your ideas are not crazy and and you mentioned that I, I don't know for you guys who are on my friends page, uh, I found um, an, an AI photo imager 
And I was actually trying to just get a decent photo for my website, but then I started playing around with it and came up with this incredible picture that looked like some kind of a cosmic queen. And for a minute, I was like, whoa, that's a whole, that's like, I felt the vibration of that whole different reality. So this is what you do. I call him Zon. Zon, you you <laughs> take these uh, these images of the sci-fi and of of what could be, and you create stories that inspire people or give people multiple um, um, pathways to think of how it could go. Right. So, tell us what you've been doing with all that. Well, I think too, I, I, this is something that I've theorized. And like I even told you, I don't know if this is true, but maybe I'm getting glimpses through meditation. I'm getting glimpses into yeah. other uh, uh, stories or dimensions or creative aspects of the human mind that we don't even understand. That um, there was a book I read many, many, many years ago. It was called The Silva Mind Control Method. I read this back in 1979. Yep. Uh, and this guy talked about uh, creating your own uh, mastermind control group in your mind and that you could direct these individuals with different, uh, you could create different personalities with these, these individuals. Like one might be a financial master, uh, another might be a CEO, uh, but he said to use allegorical images. And one of them he used was Star Trek. And he said, imagining that your mastermind group in your mind is Jim and Spock and Dr. McCoy. And the, ten and the tension that the three of them had uh, created a, a, a working framework for us to examine a lot of crazy attitudes like the, the total logical uh, mind of Spock that, okay, dude, you're kind of going overboard with this. And then Shatner uh, kind of breaking through that and then McCoy breaking through both of them. So it was an interesting dynamic, and I think it taught us. Uh, that's why I think people enjoyed it. They didn't really care. We all knew the plywood control panels. We all knew the the the, the cheesy sets. We weren't enamored by the cheesy sets. They had just enough there to let us be there mentally. We were more concerned with the, I think, the dynamics of the characters. And I think that's what what we want to try to do is create characters that compel people to go, oh wait, I, maybe I could do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what do your writings open up, right, as possibilities for the future? I mean, uh, you talk often about there's a dystopian vibe, you know, going on out there in many ways. And then on the other hand, like on the Mastermind on Sunday, we've got this utopian vibe, right? Trying to kick the needle over 50%, right? So tell us I think about that's a, the foundation. Yeah. Well, I think, see, you folks are deep in. The knowledge level you have on this is deep in. But what science fiction and television does reaches all the pedestrians out there with simple lessons simple stories like Aesop's fables, you know, they're little allegories, you know, the tortoise and the hare. We don't know if that tortoise and hare have existed, but we get the story. And so, but now we add some laser cannons and some spacecraft and we take people into space and we might take them to a planet where, uh, in fact, uh, you can now get on Pluto TV back-to-back -back science fiction. They got Stargate back-to-back. -back. They got Star Trek back-to-back. -back. They got everything. You know, you can in, kind of re-enjoy what used to be kind of a communal viewing experience because that's what's on. You just turn on Pluto TV and there's Stargate. And so they went to some planet where the allegory was, what about a planet that never got out of the Dark Ages? Mm -hmm. So they wind up going through, you know, so it's a gr great playground of what if, and we, it allows us to kind of see ourselves through this weird twisted mirror, uh, like uh, Star Trek did that numerous times where the two guys, the one guy was black on the left side and white on the yeah. right, and the other guy was the opposite. And everybody's like, don't these guys see this? this is yeah, and they were obvious. fighting each other. Yes, exactly. So I, that's why I think science fiction, if done well, grabs us in. Uh, I think if we can do, if if I can, with what I'm developing, if I think if I can create the same kind of uh, interest dynamically that draws people in beyond 
the, the, the sets and the laser beams and all that. But if you take people out and you allow them to explore and you take these dynamics, well, what is it like if colonizing a planet? Who's in charge? And why do I still have to listen to who's in charge? Aren't we on another planet now? So they ask, people are asking these kind of questions. Like I was talking to you guys earlier about uh, For All Mankind. Great show. One of the best ones out there right now. And so they're exploring these alternate timelines. Like, well, what if Kennedy wasn't assassinated? Or what if the Russians beat us to the moon? And, and, and a lot of, you know, so it gives your brain, uh, how would we have reacted if so-and-so had been elected? Oh, there's Al Gore as the president. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So th they're taking you into these. And I think it helps us exercise our brains. It gives us mm -hmm. our brains something to mull around and say, okay, wow, what is, that is interesting. You took us mm -hmm. there. You think it can influence us? Somebody was influenced enough to create a flip phone from what they saw with the communicator. Uh, in right. fact, I've heard people saying, well, that really wasn't a true story. Well, obviously, a lot of that tech, uh, I think the, uh, like you saw in Star Trek Next Generation, they had pad, they had these pads that were like iPads. And you watch a rerun now, you think, oh, okay, they play at iPads. No, they created that stuff because it didn't exist. But they were using these pads with, you know, uh, like we think of, uh, like we use iPads now. So yeah. there was a lot of innovations that we that preceded reality. Uh, and you ask yourself, okay, did the, which came first? The inspiration? Uh, we were just waiting. Maybe somebody got a leak at a factory that something was coming out and they, they incorporated. Who knows? But I think it helps us explore uh, why, you know, sometimes if we can see a brighter future, we feel inspired. So, but if we see a bleak future, what's the point of going forward? If all we're going to do is wind up uh, in a giant Aleppo or a giant uh, bombed out world uh, scavenging, uh, eating rats, is that the kind of future we really want to envision? Or can we say maybe a better way? Absolutely. Why don't we show people well, that, right? Yeah. You had an experience that you were had us on the edge of the seat to hear about that that uh, contributed to inspiring you or what was it? Well, I had a couple of interesting moments and I, I, I there's still this skeptical side of me that, that that's a, sometimes says, okay, but then again, there's a side of me that recognizes that there are things going on in the quantum universe we don't fully understand, little, little bleeds through that happen. And so uh, I, this was a few years ago, uh, a friend of mine invited me over to fix a computer. She was trying to get a hold of her psychic on Skype. And I said, oh, okay, so I was being IT uh, guy, Augie. And uh, <laughs> so I go over there and by the time I got there, it was all fixed. And she said, well, you could, uh, my, my, we got it all working. It's no big deal. So, okay, great. And so I have a cup of tea and so I'm just hanging out. And she said, well, ask Chris any questions you want. And I thought, okay, well, we'll just see what happens. And I said, can you tell me anything about my past lives? And she told me a few things that I thought were pretty interesting, but I never did anything with. One was that I was, you know, and I don't know if she was embellishing or just, you know, this was, I, I don't know. How, how do you, how do I verify any of this? So she told me I had worked in a lab of some great inventors and that I was a ruler of seven planets. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting, you know. Um, okay, cool. This, what does it get me, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of tossed it aside as just a momentary, uh, okay, that's maybe it's true, maybe it isn't. I, I can't say whether it is or isn't. It's interesting, and, and I go about my, my world. And then um, a couple years later, I happened to be relaxing on my couch, and um, I had kind of a glimpse into a kind of an inside the UFO experience. And in that experience, I, it was, it was, I could see always kind of a window. There were other light ships that I was with. And I was in one of those orbs, like you see, orbiting the planet. And we were going somewhere. I don't know where we were going. And there was like up behind me, there was like a gallery with people there. And I kind of looked disoriented to them because they were kind of laughing at me. And not really laughing, but kind of chuckling like he doesn't quite get it yet. And I said, uh, okay, uh, who are you folks? And they said, we're your friends. And I said, okay, well, what's your names? And they gave me their names. And I said, what do you guys call me? And they gave me a name. And so I looked these names up later. 
And I said, okay, this is just, you know, just having a nap here, just kind of a who knows moment. And I looked up the names and the name they gave me was Zahn. I'm like, okay, that's almost <laughs> comic book fair, right? Uh, you're yeah. kidding, right? And then they gave me the names of the, these two other individuals. And uh, one was, and I think what they were showing me was archetypes, that they weren't literally really the real people that I was seeing. They were giving me these archetypes of two other individuals. Like they were giving me something I could interpret. Like this picture, I can give you this 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 individual here. Her name was Marika and the other one was Zeravan. And I looked up both their names and I'm like, okay, this doesn't exist anywhere. Neither one of these names. So I was always kind of like, okay, but what does this mean? I don't know what it means. And then one day, couple of years later after that i was meditating and it was kind of bugging me okay i said okay universe what are the names of the seven planets let's just say there's seven planets out there let's just say it's all real and this it wasn't like i heard a radio voice or you know some kind of a loud voice in my head it was get a pencil and paper because there's a lot we have to give you and i started writing it all down okay and it was like okay I could probably get more if I said, give me more about this, because I think I showed you some of my notes and it was a deluge of information. Yeah. Uh, and that this individual, uh, that these individuals were part of a star system in Andromeda. And yeah. part of the vision was they showed me those planets and then there's this impending doom that I at one point, I thought was the future was going to happen, but I think it was a premonition of what could happen in that star mm -hmm. system. So it's just, I don't know if it's just glimpses or just a wild imagination, but it, the, the, I've never had that kind of inspiration just saying to myself, you know what? I think I'm going to write a story today. Mm -hmm. It just seemed a little bit more of a deluge of information. Like That's what people are saying. And I'm saying, okay, well, I'm open minded enough to accept it. Um, mm -hmm. There's so much going on in the quantum universe. You know, you interviewed Russell Targ. I remember that interview, Augie, with uh, Russell. Uh, yeah. I learned so much from that about Ingo Swan and all these guys, and they proved that the quantum communication can happen telepathic. You know, you had this giant waste of money with SETI, where they're aiming radio telescopes. And what is the range? 200 light yeah. years. And how are yeah. ETs supposed to communicate across vast? intergalactic distances that some of them go it's all it's all it has to be quantum based yeah it all bypasses yeah. space time so but i think science yeah. fiction allows us to explore that you know yeah mm -hmm. or, or or is it or or is it really all happening there right in parallel universes and we're tapping into pieces of it or you're tapping into pieces of it you know to to get that download and I, that's it's, that was yes. this was big. It was so big, you know. It, but, it's a big story in my head. I'm saying, okay, well, yeah. you've gone completely delusional. No. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I said it's epic. It's difficult for me to get all of it down because there's so many elements, and then there's missing elements that I don't have yet. And I used to get frustrated because, okay, how does that line up? And one of the elements that came about. It was like, you need to write this down. This is the element. It had to do with uh, the Anastasi Indians. I'm like, how does this even relate to this story? Well, as it turns out, in this story, they were removed from Earth, and they are a clean DNA sample, a reference sample, unpolluted, clean, okay? So this is, oh. and I'm, I, didn't, I didn't know this at the outset when I wrote it down. And you find out, I'm like, why, why does that it bug me? Why is that? Why was I given that? So there's other little weird elements like that that have come through where I get it. I get ahead of it. I get at the end of it. And then I got to figure out what came before that or how did that connect in? And sometimes it makes absolutely no sense until later. So I, I don't fully understand it, but it's almost like it's just a, a giant uh, uh, dump. And then I've got to deal with uh, unraveling it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the thing about it is, though, that we are starting to hear from scientists now that there could be several trillion, that's a T, trillion 
planets like Earth out there, somewhere in reality. Under those circumstances, there's very good likelihood there will be one just like what you talked about. And you could have tuned into that frequency by imagining it and you got information from it because let's say they are about 80 light years away or more. That distance doesn't exist outside of the physical. It is that far apart, if that far. You could have gotten it. There were elements, too, in the storyline that were thrown in as a, uh, we have to add this. I'm like, how did that? There's elements that seem to me um, part of the experience. Let me back up a little bit. Part of this experiment was for me, I wanted to go through the process. It was almost a challenge to me to begin with back in 2014 when I came up with that story. The challenge was I didn't like what I saw on TV. I didn't like what I was hearing. It wasn't getting to me what I thought the real ETs and the real experience was going on with contactees, abductees, and other people who were having the real experience, not the uh, the Stargate, the TV experience that we all enjoy, which I love all that stuff. But it's the real experience that people are having that's even bigger than what we think it's going to be. And then do we, I think we need to explore this yeah. whole idea of, of, of all, you know, of contact and disclosure. What's it going to be like? What's it going to feel like when we mm -hmm. see a giant ET craft sitting in orbit, sitting over the ocean, just off our coastal cities, sitting there doing nothing. They sit, let's just say they sit there for three days and then, then they go away and then they come back maybe 30 days later. What does that do? That global exposure to that without saying a thing, what does no. that do to humanity? And that was some yeah. of the stuff that came to me. was like, wow. What does yeah. that do to our supply chain? What does that do to the, who, who wants to be the delivery driver for UPS anymore at that point? <laughs> all of Earth will stop. It yeah. will all stop. Uh, yeah, but I think, I think things will be okay. I really think so because uh, people sometimes are stupid, but they're not morons. They know that we still got to live. And we still got to keep doing things. So I think if we saw that ship out there, yeah, there's going to be some fanatical Christians that's going to run and find a hole somewhere and crawl in it. But that's not the whole thing. There's most of us would say, okay, now what's next? Show yourself. Well, you're asking the big question. You're asking the big question is, are we really ready? Yeah. So what you just said was, and in fact, there is a, a video out on the net. You guys have all seen it. And it's got that ET. And he's this guy is this snarky interviewer is asking him, so what about the future? What do you know about this or that? And this ET, everybody says it's an ET. It's not an ET. It's a guy. It's some supposedly a time traveler from the future. And the mm. entire interview winds up with, so what do you think the end of the uh, human race is? And this he this future traveler says dogma religious and political dogma that's our yep. end and so if we can show ourselves uh, uh ourselves a little bit and and begin to kind of laugh at ourselves and see maybe expose some of our hypocrisies uh that we have towards our own species the yep. way we treat our own species across the globe you know and I, if this is something i repeat ad nauseum we have the take the technology, the capability, the manufacturing facilities, and the resources to feed, clothe, and shelter every human on this planet. If we yes, want to. Yes, we do. Yeah, absolutely. But let, let's look at that for just a moment. We have the technology, but why don't we have it? Now, there is a, that's a, there's a thought in there, and that is that we have probably all the inventions that we need in order to create a wonderful world out there was it not controlled by somebody for the purpose of profit so how do we turn that around what do you think i apologize i did not get the last minute of what you said and for some reason my headphones are not are not functioning here let me describe oh. this one more time. i'm sorry about that well okay. uh, uh, 
I'll summarize. We have all there the yeah, we have all the technology that we need in order to create a wonderful world. But it's being controlled for the purpose of profits. How do we turn that around? Well, I think that the, the, the key technologies it will take for us to get to these utopian societies is what? We have to eliminate need. How do you eliminate need? How can you eliminate all of that? We have all these giant supply chains, factories, and everything else. And can we crank out enough food? Can we kill enough animals? Can we kill enough species? Can we kill mm. enough of the Earth's resources? Well, I think one of the key technologies that could save us is replication. Mm -hmm. The ability to molecularly replicate solves all need. If everybody has in their home a dishwasher-sized replicator that is big enough to replicate 99% of everything you need, food, clothing, uh, a medicine, whatever, computers, go get yourself a new computer. There you go. Here's your new computer. Um, <laughs> everybody, there will be no incentive to steal. There'll be no incentive to work. So then you say, okay, okay, what are all these people going to be doing if you've given them everything and give them replication? Well, number one, uh, for example, some of the developments we have right now, I think, are going to be uh, crucial for colonization. The ability to lab grow meat. Now yeah. you might say, well, I can't ask gross. Are you going to eat cockroaches on Mars for the rest of your natural life on Mars? No, you're going to want to stay. Are they going to fly that stuff in? Or could they just... Uh, have enough chemicals and resources there to grow lab-grown food. So we're going to go, I think, from this manufacturing into replication. I think that's going to be one of the key elements for the survival of our species. That and gravitic control. Gravitic, you know, the ability to create gravity or anti-gravity. Those two technologies are going to uh, completely liberate humanity from this planet. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems is that we're stuck here. Our brains, our brains are loving these images behind me. We want all mm -hmm. that. We want to go to space, right? But we know yeah. that the chances in this lifetime are very slim that we're going to get out there. So I think the human spirit wants to get out there. Yeah. It's just that we don't have a collective will. But, yeah. you know, enough of Guys, a collective will. Just let's let's step back for a minute, okay? We were we were actually ahead of our time five years ago when we did that little series called On Our Planet, right? And we pretended, pretended in air quotes, that that we were living on another planet and we were explaining everybody to everybody what life was like on our planet. And of course, the replicator was what you brought with you, Zon. And um, then, I mean, do you realize... I mean, that, that was like three or four um, shows that we did, and that was five years ago. And mm. now we're so much closer, maybe, maybe, to something like that happening. I we think so, maybe we've we all... We're so ahead of it. We, we've, mm. we've all, I think, learned our, our... Can you guys hear me? Is mine working? Yeah. Okay. I think we've all kind of honed our message and what we really are, are shooting for a little bit tighter. Um, this thing has bothered me for some time. There's always been this urgency to get this thing written, get it written, get it out there, get it out there, get it written. And yet there's missing elements. There's this foggy veil that I've got to get through that doesn't have all the pieces. And I have to mm -hmm. kind of wait for pieces. And then I get these big chunks. I'm like, what do I do with that? And who is this mm -hmm. person? Why are they there? So it's kind of it's it's a weird process that um, I'm open open enough to say okay um, maybe it is possible you know what yes. if we could mm -hmm. everything is possible because everything starts in the mind and we have to have the vision in our mind in order for it to start and we have that maybe others don't but then what happens. We're talking about the big event coming. What is that? Is that a separation of timeline where we leave the scuzz buckets and the politicians behind and we move on into another uh, reality? Or are we get stuck with them moving on? That is a good question, too. And it depends on our vibration. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I think you're I think you're uh, correct. And I think also well, maybe we don't sometimes we we forget about the neutrality of the yin and yang of the universe that it get that it'll give us a lot of times what we have envisioned for our future. For example, um, I think that if you want your religious outcome, that the universe gives you that religious outcome yep. in your afterlife. Maybe that's what happens. Or maybe we get what has always occurred. Reincarnation is the thing and you're back for more lessons. Um, I, I'm not sure yet. I, I think that maybe we get an afterlife that we imagine that some people get Jesus and the angels and some people get Muhammad and whoever, or some people get whatever they, their religious interpretation gives them. That's what their consciousness creates for them. I don't know. I'm just a, it's just a thought. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I guess we don't know. That was kind of like what the, the kid that came to the master and he asked him, uh, what is it like after death? And the master looked at him and says, I don't know. The kid said, well, yeah, but you're the master. And the master told him, yeah, but I'm not a dead master. So we really can't know before it happened, do we? Or well, we do we just not remember? Uh, yeah. Like that. Because my experience, or maybe it was a dream when I was 16, that day that it was a it was a neighborhood wide event it wasn't me in the crib and a gray would come play at night you know this was a neighborhood event and it was a frequency that called us down to the water called us down to the bay the great south bay on long island and you wonder how it would be it, it's like nothing that you've ever done before. I mean, I got in my car, I drove the wrong way down a one-way street and I parked my car on somebody's lawn and walked into a house of somebody that I didn't even know because everything was so bizarre being called down to the water to be met by these extra, extra dimensional beings. Wow. So, what what would it be like? You know, I don't think it's going to be, you know, you're, somebody was joking and said, imagine your boss giving you the day off, you know, to uh, to have the first sighting. It's, it's not going to be like that. It's I mean, it's going to be so bizarre. You know, yeah. it's, it's something that you can only dream about or brilliant minds like you, Zahn, your creative mind can begin to conjure up what that might even, you know, feel like or. I mean, or maybe maybe what it says about us is that what we're experiencing are these veiled messages that are not direct. Hi, it's me, the ETs, and they there is obviously, I think, a higher wisdom at play, that we are just the children, and they're trying not to freak us out. I think they're trying to give us little dribs and drabs enough to keep us moving. Um, and one of which was uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a, uh, uh, I was going to tell you the story. Um, I was at a, I was doing some video work for a customer and I was at a hotel and where their uh, music pavilion was that I was shooting at was kind of back away from the restaurant. So there was kind of like an open area for people to just kind of go to the beach, stairs down to the beach and back to the hotel. So it's kind of a high traffic area that I was shooting across. And I was just doing my thing and just kind of enjoying the moment. And these people are doing their thing. And this guy is about 35, 40 years old. In fact, if he's watching Dan, I'm giving you a shout out. Uh, he's with his son and they're going down to the beach. And he turns and goes, hey, they're out there, man. And I said, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, then he came over to me and he started telling me a little bit of his story about being a starseed. And uh, I mentioned some details from the stories that I'm working on just to see if just to see, okay, let's just see if what I'm coming up with is complete crap or if maybe he's heard of some of this. So there's this verification that I've kind of desired, whether it's coming to me or am I just creating it? And he started telling me details. I'm like, holy cow, this, this, I said, seriously, he goes, oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm like, okay. So there was a little moment there. In fact, that moment that I had with that gig was really not that great of a gig. 
this was kind of the highlight of the day, just about a 30 second interaction with this individual that noticed you know, the little symbol on my hat and yeah. uh, started talking about it. So it was interesting, a little contact point. The weird part is before I even went up there, I just had kind of a sense that something was going to happen. I wasn't sure what it was. So I, I, and I'm not trying to make that up. I just, I, I had kind of a weird sense something was going to happen. So okay. I think we get these little bumps along the way. It's almost like an eyedropper fulls of confirmation. What we really need is a direct disclosure. Guys, please show up. Can we get past this? Can we grow up as a species? Can we get on to our Star Trek lifestyle? Because once they show up, that's what's coming. Unless mm -hmm. the powers that be keep it from us. If they lock it up away from us, then we're right back where we are right now. We just know who they are. We know what they are. But if they release that technology to us, I think it's going to be for the good. But then again, Nori, like what you were saying is, are we really ready? You know? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I see now we are down at the bottom of the hour. And uh, for those of you that joined us late, uh, we are talking with Tom Schaefer. He is the author of Two and the Collectors, a science fiction book that you got to go to Amazon and have a look at because you're going to like it. Because this, what we're talking about now, is about what the future will be like if we take the images and create them and carry them forward into our future. It really could be a nice world. But I also, in the second half here, I want to talk to him a little bit about technologies. What does he see that we can have in our future that will make our life better and easier, more fulfilled, more fun? I love fun. Fun, fun is fun stuff. What do you think, Tom? Where do we go with this? What is our future going to be like? Well, like I mentioned earlier, if we have replication, then I think what we may go through is a replication overload. Like, you know, you go to somebody's house and they got 10 TVs. Um, and then I think we're going to go, we're going to burn out on it. And we're going to move to an era of less is more. And we're going to get tired of materialism altogether. And we're going to focus a little more navel gazing, a little bit more about uh, becoming better people. I think once it's going to take, I think it's going to take 10, 15 years once the disclosure really happens for us to really get a grip. That is, if we can leave this rock, that's going to be one of the big things, I think, is our ability to get off this planet. I think that Earth is where we may have started, but it's definitely not where we're going to finish. I think you're right. There is more. Yeah. Maybe we yeah. didn't start here. Maybe we got trapped off here. <laughs> I could agree with that just as much. <laughs> yeah, you, men you mentioned the word disclosure. How We are being fed now, spoon fed, but there's a lot of spoons right now, and we're getting a lot. But do you think we are being set up for something or is it actually something happening here? What, what do you think? And I know you've been studying this. Well, the key word for me for the past 10 years has been acclimation. And see, that gets back to science fiction. There isn't anything they can show, even on bad sci-fi shows. There isn't anything they can't show. We see spacecraft going through. I've seen 10 different shows, and they're all going through uh, wormholes. They all have personal avatars. They all have AI that helps them or doesn't help them. Uh, so there's one recently, Beacon 23, where the AI is a little bit crazy. So I think that those are the things uh, uh, that we're going to be looking at is, is this AI thing. we got to get a handle on that. And I think we're not ready. I think that's why, like I say, we're, the disclosure is it's – I think part of the problem we've had over the past 40 years has been a dumbing down where education has suffered because we didn't want to spend money on too much education and them during public schools. So education took a big hit. Civics took a big hit. And so we have had a massive dumbing down. People's ability to do critical thinking so that when something weird happens, uh, can they absorb it? Well, now we have Marvel. We have DC Comics. We got Tony. Uh, what's his name with his Iron Man suit? Uh, we have seen everything we're going to see with the real aliens. We have mm -hmm. seen transdimensional fading in and out. We've seen it in the sky. People are already videoing that where they come and go. I've got video of them just coming and going. It's, it's bizarre. So we have already been there. 
So we're seeing everything on sci-fi to the extreme of what we're starting to actually see, I think, in the skies. And I think it's becoming overwhelming. People are learning CE5 contact. They're going outside their house during the day and saying, hey, fellas, we're here. We're waiting. And I think the more people that are doing that, creating a giant invitation, the less and this acclamation through science fiction where we're being you know, these ideas and concepts of other cultures and races uh, uh, interacting with humanity in peaceful ways. Or, yeah. you know, we could think in, of dystopian ways. I think the ETs that are out there, they want, they're the, of a positive nature, or if you will, they are very woke. And I think that their intentions are not to take over, or some of them, I think, do. But I think there's a good number of them out there that are of a benevolent nature that want to do good things for us, but they're scared because of our uh, inability to absorb some of these really advanced concepts, um, yeah. multidimensional, uh, you know, the ability to it, it, time travel. A lot of this stuff I think is quite possible with the, with some of these folks coming from the skies. So for us, they're godlike with the stuff they can do. And I think maybe we're not as ready as we think we are. Mm. Well, yeah. you know, there's a whole lot of people who would not even entertain this conversation, you know, so you're probably right. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. sure. It's it's not as marginalized as it was, though. That's the mm -hmm. thing. Disclosure is actually happening. So we had those three little videos and we've had David Fravor and these other people coming forward and testifying uh, in different arenas that are uh, credible witnesses. So we've had mm. enough, we've had what, 60 years of credible wit witnesses. Mm. All that's missing now is the actual, uh, the, you know, showcase in the desert of all the ET craft and the, the video and the footage and the confession of all of these agencies that have withheld it from us. Um, mm. That's, you know, that's going to be, there, there are people that believe that that in itself will be this kind of crimes against humanity moment keeping us in the yeah. dark for the past 60 to 70 years. But I don't know if that's going to be uh, constructive or not. Yeah. yeah, I keep looking for my quarter under the pillow, too. When it comes to that ship sitting in the desert and the government uh, agencies are coming out, say, sorry, we lied to you. It ain't going to happen. But, but I, think, be... I think the dam is cracking. Yeah, there will be a formal disclosure. And I'm not so sure it's going to come from government i think it's going to come from et themselves that's going to come in such a way there is no way to deny it that's my opinion and i'm sticking to it that well that's the premise of my story to the collectors and that's the day of disclosure all of a sudden all over the planet there are giant motherships all, uh, uh, hovering over the planet and uh it is a moment. I think it's like the day the earth stood still. Michael Rennie shows up in Washington, D.C. Everybody wants them to land on the White House lawn. He doesn't. Yeah. He, he lands in a baseball park. But it, what was great about that was it was a disc-shaped spa disc spacecraft. Yeah. It glowed like every E.T. If you watch that movie, you look at the way they they've uh, featured that spacecraft in the movie. It was like every E.T. sighting you've ever seen. And he yeah. lands... And he has a seamless design to the spacecraft. And where did they get the ideas for this? Mm. Where do you, where did some of that come from? Obviously from contactees. Yeah, uh, I would think mm. a lot of that was influenced. But the message was the most powerful part. His speech at the end of it is every bit as relevant today as it was back then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I hope mm. that the message he gave about blowing up the earth if we don't comply. That part I hope is not true. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to remember that movie. You have to go back and watch it again. It's definitely worth watching. Uh, the day the Earth stood still, mm -hmm. and that's that. one of those allegorical movies. Again, tells a story. What if an ET comes to the Earth uh, and he winds up mixing with the population and he starts to see Earth uh, the way we do, and then. You know, he goes back to being the E.T. and he's got this awesome lecture at the end of the movie. So definitely, definitely worth a uh, uh, a watch. I think it was better than the new one they came out with. Keanu Reeves yeah. was hor was horrible. Um, and they completely twisted the story. Uh, and they, I think they tried, but I don't think it was as good as the original. So, mm -hmm. yeah.
I, I yeah. still think that that vibration and you know you were talking about CE5. Zan, we were talking about CE5 five years ago, you know. Um and 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 it's all about vibration, you know, and it's all about the the thought vibration that we put out. And I think it's important to even, I mean, even if it's not true, right? If we err on the side of love, if we err on the side of goodness and kindness and compassion, um, you know, I, I can't help but believe that people, beings that are more advanced than we are would not want to connect with that vibration than some of the other vibration you know that's out there what do you think yeah i agree uh, and i think that that's why i'm saying what kind of vibration are we putting out there you know yeah. this is you gotta, if, if you start to kind of connect some dots for example when you when you look at abductees what do they have little tiny specks tiny little things that are bio so they dissolve when they try to pull them out and these things these ets are using these little tiny things to track them across mm -hmm. who knows how far away right and we right. think we understand technology these people mm -hmm. are operating at levels that we can't even imagine and i think maybe that's why there are limits and that's why we need to tune in to the good ones if we're gonna if we're gonna put a wave out there we're gonna put a vibe out there we're gonna put a a a thought out there uh, then let's mm -hmm. put a good one out there let's try to get the good ones to come instead of focusing on all the these um you know i'm not trying to and i've told people this i'm not trying to sound like tipper gore and all video games are evil but there is something about us focusing our minds for long periods of time and generating uh, into the subconscious, into into realms. We don't. I don't even think we understand. I don't even think we know a lot of times what's happening. And then we were generating this wave. And how many people are generating that wave against yes. what you guys are trying to do? Like on a Sunday, you have your mastermind thing. You guys are trying to generate a positive wave. So we have this. Uh, who's going to win? Yeah. 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 And I and think I that's why I don't we. Even, I, I don't even know if it's a matter of winning or losing. I do believe that that the presence of love doesn't change evil, but it kind of squeezes it out. Right? You can't really change it, but it 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 dominates. It dominates. It comes to the forefront. What little I yeah. know is that love and light it's easier to lean that direction it actually takes more work to go negative and i think it, you know it, it costs nothing to smile it costs nothing to say thank you i'm dealing with um issues in my life and i'm trying you know I'm, I'm learning i'm seeing you know i'm being shown things and it's embarrassing sometimes and um but i think if we keep trying keep trying to lean positive we just keep trying we say okay no you know what i screwed up there but i'm going to keep trying i'm going to keep trying to lean positive i think that's the most important thing and that love i think there's so much toxic toxicity going on in our world right now we need to gravitate towards the love you yeah. know? True. true and if it's not true <coughs> excuse me right if we find out you know in the end that none of this is true at least we spent all of this time personally you know in in our heart center in love i mean you know, how do you want to live your life? I mean, if, if you err on the side of love, I mean, that's a pretty good life, you know. You know, this this is, I think, the part where science lets us down. We we all hold in our hearts the fact that, yes, we know that science and the scientific method, we all love all that stuff. But science doesn't answer a lot of these gray areas. And in these gray areas, people are seeing things happen. They're seeing... Uh, stuff that doesn't make sense they're getting glimpses they're getting uh, uh they, they're getting like i say we're, we're, we're tapping into things we don't fully understand and i think mm -hmm. we just have to be open yeah. like if what if what i'm getting is uh worthwhile then i'm i'm happy about it and i want to turn it into something otherwise i'm yeah. just wasting my time yeah. yeah yeah so you're looking for um a team of writers to get together not for you don't have to be a formal writer right you can just be a creative 
tell us about that. Well, one of the things I learned is, and I didn't know this. I went out when I first started writing. It was okay. How do I write a novel? Where's the Where's the novel architecture? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find it anywhere. I could not find. I read creative writing courses and all this stuff, and I found mm-hmm. that this other process, which was very scary, and it's free. You have to edit it, but it's what I, they call free streaming and allowing. So if I look at you and I say, say the first word that comes out of your mouth when I say color. What's the first thing that came to your mind? You have to say that. Okay. And that, after that, what is the story? What are they saying in this scene? And you hear them saying, and you write it down. I love that. It's Mm. a very strange process. And I learned that the problem is I get such a deluge through that process. I don't even, I'm like, I need something I can plug into my head and just, okay, (laughs) can we just hit the record button here? Uh, right because it's it's almost it's so massive that uh it's overwhelming for me so yeah. that that process of allowing it and i think it's the same process people use there are people that do uh, uh creative writing like that as well um but to apply it towards novels or creative writing once you learn it it's it opens a spigot because yeah. we could, you, you, yeah. you basically toy with the idea enough to let the character speak, and then you write it down. And it's an interesting process. It's um, it was a little uncomfortable for me at first, but it is a it, it allows you to at least get the idea down. And then you go back, you go, wow, I wrote all that, and then you have to clean it up and you edit it and you kind of refine it. Um, but at least you didn't stop the idea from hitting the paper. Because if if you edit, if you self edit yourself too much, you're not gonna yeah. get anything written down. Exactly. Yeah, nothing's yeah. going down. It's all bad. It's all bad. Just throw the typewriter in the trash, you know, <laughs> throw the computer in the trash, right? right? So it's all bad. Nothing here today. Go away. But mm. if you allow yourself to free stream a little bit and then build upon what's al- you're allowing something to come through and you're saying, well, I'm, where's it coming from? I don't know, but you're allowing mm-hmm. it. I think you're allowing the universe to allow to, the, the story to come through. So Absolutely. I can't prove any of it, but that's what I believe the process is. So. I love it. That sounds like fun. That sounds like yeah. Fun. Well, the big story of Earth really haven't been written to the end yet, so we have to participate in the writing of it to make sure that it is written the way we like it to be. Because okay. quantum physics tells us it is a participatory participatory universe. In fact, they go as far as saying that if nobody is observing, watching, or interacting with something out there in space, it may not even exist. Wow. So we we create with our mind what we are going to have. So we got to be really careful what we allow to dwell up here. I can't. We myself... quote all these. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we quote all these phrases. We do the little. The little religious church uh thing you know the we do the sign of the cross with some of these phrases and but when you start to connect the dots well if a is equal to b and b is equal to c well if this quantum thing is real that the observer ex- affects the experiment that there is something that we can do with this brain of ours it's not just a piece of meat but there is this 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 thing inside this this energy thing inside that's able to tap into the quantum uh realms if that's true which we are finding it is like i was saying before these little tiny specks that they're finding of these et implants that they're able to transcend great distances well they're obviously not using radio the way we are obviously not these little tiny things are powered off the cells in the flesh and everything is crazy but they're using i believe a quantum connection it doesn't make any sense any other way right so they're tracking yeah. people with little tiny things. I may have stuff in me. I don't even know I have. But um, how many people have? They don't even know have implants because a lot of people were, were taken. But right. um, well, well, I think we have to we be first, open. Yeah, when we first started Broadcast Team Alpha, we interviewed all of those experiencers. You know, just uh, just everyday people who who didn't have anything to gain, many of them actually had the quality of their lives diminished because 
you know, telling their their family and their friends and their church that they had an experience with an extra dimensional actually messed up the whole, you know, trajectory of where they thought their life was going to go. So, so yeah, how many people do have those those tracking devices and implants and yeah. But see, all this is so outside our day to day, right? Yeah. You know, you don't go to work and talk to people about your ET experience. It's it, it, but people are being are able to say, you know, I really like that show on TV. It was really cool. Okay, that was a really cool show. Wow, I want to see more of that. People can yeah. talk about that experience, and you find out who can talk about it and who can't, and then maybe that's a bridge to talking about their real experience. Uh, there was a show I think on Netflix not too long ago, Encounters that talked about uh, abduction experiences and things of that nature. So I think we are seeing, we're well into a ufology as a mainstream topic that's no longer of the ridicule factor, that the ridicule factor is fading away. Uh, there's just way too much going on, way too many videos people are posting on social media of weird lights and stuff that doesn't make sense. Uh, stuff that could be trash floating in the trash bags floating in the sky. Nobody knows, but those are going up. Yes. But you're also seeing legitimate videos weird lights yeah. that are doing things that aren't flares they're not they don't this picture does not fit yeah. so that is becoming more commonplace and uh, you know people complain about photography why isn't it better where's the clear pictures you're shooting something that's probably 20 to 30 miles away minimum when you're shooting something in the sky with a smartphone you're shooting 20 to 30 miles away i live wow. just south of nasa yeah. When those yeah. rockets go up, it's very commonplace. Yeah. And I know that I'm 26 miles south. And so when I focus in on it with my phone or another one of my other cameras, I'm still not getting a very good picture. I'm not impressed at all. When you see the, yeah. the one on TV, they have these giant tracking uh, telescopes that they're filming from NASA or from the from from um, or whatever Elon Musk is using. So they're tracking them with these big cameras to do it yourself. So people complain about the quality of UFO footage. Um, we're still not quite there yet with getting uh, as close as we want. You know, you'll see a video and it'll kind of fade in and out. Doesn't quite lock in, and uh, yeah, we're still we're still not quite there yet because they know. I think ETs know. Can't get too close. These people are getting better phones. You know? That's right. So, <laughs> and then there's cases where the the video is distorted. They yep. can't get anything. True. Very true. Very true. Well, we're down to the end, Zahn. It was just so great having you here. And Augie, you want to uh, ask your favorite question? It's it's. Oh, it's yeah. Yeah, that's one that uh, I like to blindside people with this one because it's a good question. And that is that, Tom, if you could speak to the whole world and the world was listening, what would you tell them? I would tell everybody to wake up. Time to wake up. This is the moment where uh, we see democracy under attack throughout the planet. We see the good side of mankind being under attack. Uh, there's so much we have to do. Uh, that's what I would tell the world is that we need uh, to sow messages of hope and love and light to the planet. Yeah. That's what we need to do. That's really what we need to do. And that's what I'm striving for in my own little corner. That's what I'm scratching on. Uh, that's what I'm going to try to do. I love it. I love Absolutely. It. That goes Thank exactly. You so much. That, that goes exactly like what President Eisenhower said. Uh, he said that one of these days, mankind will want peace so much that governments have to get out of their way and let them have it. You I gotta want it. Yep. We're nipping at that right now. More people waking up and we're gonna be there. Make it happen. Yeah, yeah. I think we Thanks. have to learn that we have to we gotta participate in the process. We need to be part of the solution and not the problem. Yep. Absolutely. Beautiful note to end on. Zon, thank you. Tom Schaefer, thank you so much. It was so good hanging out with you again. <laughs> Augie, thank you. Mac, as always, thank you. thank you. Everybody in the chat room, and if you're watching on the replay, thanks for being here. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll see you next time. Good night. See you later.